Welcome to the Super Jump Podcast. This is our season one finale. I'm your host, as always, Mitchell Wolf, and again, as always, I'm joined by my co-host, editor-in-chief of Super Jump, James Burns. James, how are you going? How how is your whole holiday season going? It is awesome. I've I've started playing PUBG You've... on Xbox. Yeah, I saw that you said that in, in one of our... Um, oh, I didn't see that it was on Xbox. But I saw that you said that in one of our uh, our community chats. How's that going? It's... it's uh, So I suck. Yeah. Um, I'm, but... Yeah, you're supposed to. <laughs> and the frame rate of 10 frames a second doesn't help, I have to admit. Is it but really it's, that bad? It, it's, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Um, but I, I tell you, I see what all the fuss is about. Like, I've been watching it a little bit for a while uh, on your recommendation, and I've loved watching it. Um, playing it is definitely a different experience, but it is so awesome. I, I'm, I'm all of a sudden like a big fan. Yeah, it's, a, it's weird like that. It's, it's so... You don't think of it as a horror game but I, I i think it is a little bit of a horror game i, I touched on this in my write-up for our article that just came out which you should check out by the way on superjump.online or you can go to medium.com and search for superjump uh, we just put an article out of our favorite games of the year james myself and other superjump contributor uh kaylee kwa we all picked five of our favorite games of the year, and some of them overlap, some of them don't, and we wrote a little thing on them. And uh, I I brought PUBG to the table, and and uh, I think it's for that exact reason, James. It's, it's just it's a scary game to play. <laughs> it it really is. It's you know what I think it is. It's because the monsters are real in a yeah <laughs> in a, in a horror game that's dedicated to being a horror game. It's just like okay, so, well someone programmed these zombies in in this it's like a person in real life who does not like you very much at all (laughs) yeah and who and who is quite happy to shoot you as you're crawling away into the grass bleeding that's happened to me a couple of times (laughs) yeah and when when you're out you're done which is like kind of an intense thing to do to another person it would be like walking into their living room and unplugging their xbox effectively Oh, that's horrifying. Yeah, it's horrifying. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is the Super Jump Podcast. We're a video games generalist podcast. We aren't a news podcast. You've heard all this before, probably. This would be a weird time to start. But if this is your first episode, we're glad to have you. We're going to talk about this year, 2017. Um, before we get started, just a reminder, uh, if you aren't subscribed to our show on any form of podcatcher or RSS feed collector... Please do so. It's just a little subscribe button, probably, depending on where you found us. And um, and and follow us on medium.com. That's our official Super Jump magazine, if you can as well. That'd be great. So, how do we feel, James, about exiting 2017? Exhausted, Mitchell. Exhausted. <laughs> yeah, me too, James. <laughs> um, For a whole lot of reasons, I think. So many, so many reasons. Um, for one, there's the narrative going around. And I kind of don't love it when this kind of thing about years is so memefied Because mm. it doesn't invite a lot of contrarian discourse. But anyone can see this has been a great year for video games. And maybe not the best year for other things. But a great year for video games. And now that we're exiting twenty, we're exiting that calendar year. There's a question of, could 2018 ever hope to hold up, or will it just keep on rolling? What do you think? What do you think, James? <laughs> uh, look, I I struggle to see 2018 being as good as this year for games, but I think 2018 will be pretty good. Like, I think it's definitely going to be one of the better years for games. Um, we just for another little plug, um, we we published a bit of a, um, a a list of games to look forward to for Switch, PS4, and Xbox One over at Superjump, mm-hmm. and um, some of the some of the suggestions in there are a little controversial, um, like Metal Gear Survive, uh, right. but 
Um, but, but nevertheless, um, I think what's interesting is whichever platform is your weapon of choice, um, there, there's definitely something to look forward to next year, including quite a few really interesting indie titles as well. So I think it's going to be a great year. I don't know if it'll top this year, but then again, you know, how many years in gaming history have had like multiple games released that are almost genre defining, you know, experiences. Right. It, I think it was a, really a it was a bit of an anomaly, I think. Um my favorite year in video games was 1997. And this is probably going to be a bad thing to say, but I can't remember if we've done an episode on <laughs> great years in video games. Because I, I know we tried to do one once, but there were some episodes at the beginning that we did not release. Was that one of them? Do you remember? I So I know we've had we're a couple of... We're only 12 of... episodes in, and I'm already <laughs> doing that thing where I cannot remember what we've done. That's how crazy 2017's been. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah no, look, I, I think we did... We did talk a little bit about uh, something along those lines, but I don't know if we actually did a like a, a, a summary of what we think the best gaming years are. That would be a good episode. Keep that in the back of your mind. It, it either would be a good episode or we've already done it. <laughs> in either case, um, yeah, 1997's pretty good. Uh, some of the years in the mid-80s can totally be made uh, arguments for. 2007 is notably pretty good. 2011, mm-hmm. I think, is all right. Uh, I think this is one of them. It's been one of them, and I, I'm just glad to have been on along for the ride. We have some awards to celebrate that fact. Um, and, James, I'd like you to present the first award to your game. We've tailored the awards for the games that will be receiving the awards, Um so it might seem a little bit on the nose, these awards for each for each game. Um, but I th- think of it more like some things that we just really wanted to touch on from 2017. Some things that we do think will be important in the future. James has three and I have three. James, why don't you go ahead with your first one? All right. So um, speaking about NAF titles, NAF award titles... Uh, my first award is for most nail-biting experience. And this was a tough one. Um, it was tough to choose the winner because I've got a couple of suggestions. But I chose Resident Evil 7 as the winner for this award. Now, um, I assumed you were going to go with the nail-biting minigame in WarioWare Twisted. But why, James, <laughs> have you gone with Resident Evil 7 for most nail-biting experience? <laughs> well, I didn't want to just kind of jump straight out there and say most scary experience because i don't think that's necessarily the right word to use resident evil 7 is definitely scary don't get me wrong but throughout the whole experience um it's probably the game where i most felt on the edge of my seat the whole time um and the best way to kind of illustrate that is i played the game with an audience and with co-pilots because there was no way in hell I was going to play it on my own I'm too much of a wuss Uh, and what I found as we were playing is that like we had a room full of people and we were all whispering like the game volume was loud enough that we could have just talked at normal volume and it wouldn't have been an issue but we're all sitting there whispering like wondering what's around the corner should I go in that room did you hear that noise is someone following me? That was really good fun. And it was actually really good fun to play with a group of people watching as well because we were all kind of in on it. Um, so I think the, the thing that made us um, react that way is just the fact that the game is not like constantly throwing jump scares at you. There are jump scares, but it's that feeling of... You know, you're in this massive mansion and you're being stalked by members of this cannibalistic Baker family. Yeah. And they they have this way of like, they won't necessarily just like come out and try and kill you. It's kind of like they're playing a game with you. You know, you can, 
you're constantly listening for footsteps or creaking of a floorboard or a door opening. Are they and called the Baker family because they want to cook you? Probably. It's probably a bad <laughs> pun. Probably. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that, that, that wins my award for most nail-biting experience. And I will quickly mention a runner-up because we've already covered it, PUBG. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that was my oh, I biggest didn't mean to surprise. Step on your toes earlier. I didn't realize that's what was No, 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 that's cool. Um no, that was that was actually my biggest surprise. Like I cuz I've played other online shooters. I haven't played a PVP shooter for a while. But I was I was definitely surprised playing PUBG about the tension, um especially when it's quiet. Um you know, you're, you feel like you, and you are constantly in danger. You've got to play pay really close attention to environmental details. Like, you know, when you approach a building, is the door open or closed? You know, if the door is open, there's a chance that someone's in the building. You've got to pay attention to the position of vehicles. Where are they parked? Um, and you've, you've got to try and do this so that you can predict the behavior of other players and other players are uh underhanded and clever so it it, it's kind of like yes it's a shooting game but it feels more like a psychological battle almost yeah the player unknown himself brandon or brendan it starts with a b r and ends with an endon of some sort uh (laughs) green he grew up in ireland on a uh, on a military base and wow. he was doing some interviews and I was watching the way he was talking about the way he grew up and he was just fascinated with the very realistic particulars of war and mm. I I think it, it makes sense that the first war game that I'm aware of that really has a horror element is this very realistic grounded kind of thing from a person that understands that like war is, is kind of cool and, and it's tropes and details but it like part of the thing about it is that it's just so scary um yeah it's it's your death that is probably more probable than any other time in your life so Mm. yeah there's that but uh on on a very different side of the side of the gaming spectrum uh i'd like to award my first award to super mario odyssey for best wardrobe uh now this is actually maybe a little controversial because even though it has a lot of outfits for a mario game it doesn't necessarily have a whole lot of outfits for a game like like world of warcraft or any kind of mmo i'm sure has Mm. tons more things you can put on but the outfits in super mario odyssey are something very very special i think um, it, it's a game that's very much about tailoring your experience to yourself and a, a a very obvious way to do that is to literally tailor your clothes to yourself. Uh, I played through Super Mario Odyssey almost entirely with the cowboy outfit from Mario Party 2. <laughs> and uh, I, I just dug that, man. I just really liked how... <laughs> Nintendo was so willing to give Mario, the most iconic-looking video game character, a different look. Um, yeah. Especially in the way that they've done it. they um, All of the outfits in Super Mario Odyssey are callbacks to different, sometimes mm. really obscure uh, Mario appearances. Like a like an advertisement in a magazine from the late 80s where he was wearing a science outfit. That's what the <laughs> scientist outfit is in Odyssey is from. It's crazy how direct it is uh, and, and how niche <laughs> the the references in that wardrobe are. Um, yeah, and they yeah. never let you do anything like jump higher or anything because mm. they understand that if it's truly going to be whatever choice of outfit you want it needs to be something that is only aesthetic so i think that's pretty smart so that's my my award for best wardrobe to super mario odyssey 
Very well deserved. Thank you, thank you. So, James, 2017 was a momentous year. Um, I want to talk about some key moments, and I'll start, give you some time to think of them. Um, Sure. This Christmas, I was given a gift. It is a bobblehead that sits on my desk now. And it's a bobblehead of the painter Bob Ross, who, if you're not familiar, is a 1980s, 1990s cultural phenomenon of sorts, at least in America. Uh, He did a show called The Joy of Painting, where he would talk in a very smooth voice and a very slow, earthly tone um, about the way he was painting. And I got a bobblehead of him. And it has a little button on it that plays a uh, just a little voice tag of something he said on the show. This would be a good place for my little squirrel to live. <laughs> he's just talking about where he's going to put squirrels in his painting and stuff. And it has like 20 voice, little voice things. And uh, <laughs> after we became the Icemen and defeated Fire, I don't know if you remember us doing that, but we did. Um, that just some just a little small little bobblehead of Bob Ross. I was pretty into it. <laughs> it sounds very um, therapeutic, actually. It is a it's a very therapeutic little bobblehead, and it came with. Mm. And I know this is really bad for an audio only medium, but it came with a little canvas that has a flip book on it of paintings he's done. So I can put the canvas next to my bobblehead of Bob Ross and flip through paintings to make it look like he, my bobblehead, is painting <laughs> while saying things like... Let's put a little highlights in here just to make them little rascals just sparkle in the sun. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> that. That is fantastic. So that's, in my opinion, that is a key 2017 moment. Do you have any? (laughs) Oh, my God. How do I follow that up? Uh, Well, okay. For me, it's probably the fact that I went to E3 and that it was my first E3 in person, um, despite having covered E3 um, since... I don't know, 2001 maybe. Um, There were definitely some years where I didn't cover anything and I wasn't writing or anything like that. But um, I had covered it for years. I had always been a member of the home team, Mm -hmm. um, which, which in some ways is actually better, especially after the experience this year. But actually going to my first E3 was, was a big deal. Um, that was really, really exciting. And to be able to go kind of under our super jump banner as well and, and not going under someone else's banner was, was even more exciting. Um, so uh, that's got to be one of the biggest highlights of the year for me. And there were a lot. I mean, we, we started this podcast. I yeah, never that's... thought I would be you know, involved in a podcast, and it's been amazing. That's, of course, um, a, a huge one for me, too. Yeah. The, yeah. Everything that we've done for Super Jump is, is is huge. Yeah, we... I mean, this... I actually... Super Jump actually started last year, but really it wasn't until this year that we got our first kind of regular contributors on board. And the really awesome thing from my point of view is, like... Um, I've recruited people who I'm big fans of. So all the people who write for us, I'm their number one fan. Like I love reading every article that goes up. I'm always excited about new articles that get submitted. So for me, it's kind of been the best of both worlds, like being able to create something and watch what other people are making. Um, it, that's made 2017 really really good for me personally that yeah ditto ditto right here um james why don't you kick us off with our second round of awards okay so this is a game that i 
almost included in my top five for the year. It was just edged out. Really? It's probably like six or seven. Hmm. Okay. Um, and it because it depends how you judge these things, right? So the award I'm gonna the the game I'm gonna award is Splatoon Two, and the award is most addictive multiplayer. Um, when I was thinking about my top five games, I was kind of thinking like, you know, should I factor in the games that left the biggest impression on me, even though maybe I didn't play them the longest? Or should I factor in the games that I just spent the most time playing? And of all the games I played this year, I, I Splatoon 2 is one that I've spent a hell of a lot of time with. Um, and it, it's pretty simple, really. You know, it's, that's surprising to me because we talk about <laughs> games a lot every every yeah. two weeks, at least an hour, and you just don't talk about it that much. But if it's no. <laughs> compared to the amount of time no. that you spent on it. Yeah, no, and I, and I think it's kind of because it, it's the big thing about it is like I love the original Splatoon. Splatoon Two is largely more of the same. I mean, there are a lot of additions, um, but it, you know, it, it's largely more of the same. Um, but but the secret sauce is handheld mode, and it feels like we've said that about a lot of games this year, including Mario Kart as well. But Splatoon 2 is one of those games where if I'm, especially if the TV is being used um, and I want to play a game, Splatoon 2 is one of those games that I can just like easily jump into, play a few matches and put down. It's, it's perfect for those kind of quick play sessions and it's so well optimized to the Switch hardware, especially in handheld mode that it's a really smooth, rich experience. Um, and the addition of Salmon Run was was a really good thing as well. Um, the, the My only regret is that I don't know enough people in real life who play Splatoon to do, like, co-op Salmon Run. Um, that's something I'd like to try. Um, I do have a runner-up for this one as well, <clears throat> which is uh, Destiny 2. Right. Uh, this seemed like a shoe-in for this category. Uh, <laughs> uh, look, I Destiny 2 is probably just suffering a little bit from the fact that it came out a bit later. I haven't spent as much time with it. And I mostly play it with my sister, who is now overseas having a big adventure in Nepal. Um, so at the moment, I'm, I'm pretty much playing it on my own here and there. Um I play Destiny 2 completely PvE, like I never play PvP. So that's also meant that I've kind of escaped a lot of the the issues and the controversies around the game at the moment. A lot of the issues seem to be around the PvP side. Um, PvE is really great to play co-op, you know, kind of like Splatoon. It's easy to just jump in and jump out. And what I like about it is you don't have to do everything twice. So like... I can join um, a mission in someone else's game and that means I've done the mission in my game and I get all the same rewards and all the rest of it. So that's cool. it's really seamless. It's really easy to just play single player one moment, have someone join for a mission and then they leave again. I've always envisioned Destiny and maybe this is wrong because like, I've only played it a couple times and I, I haven't really gotten to a point where I think I understand the, like, ethos of it. But I've always envisioned mm. it as sort of... It is what a first... What a single-player shooter is, just multiplayer, rather than a multiplayer shooter. Um, and that's always been... That's a really interesting idea. I wish more game genres had a game like that. Like, if Super Mario Odyssey was just, like, also an MMO on the side, like, you could meet up with all your friends in it. I don't know. I, I've loved that idea. By the way, with Splatoon, um, mm. Splatoon is notable to me in that it's the first game that has been played more by someone else in my household than me, and it's my little oh, sister. Yeah. Um, she she's she loves it. She loves Splatoon, and uh, she's got all these like theories about all the characters and the world that they live in, uh, mm. and that's that's super exciting to me because. I see Splatoon as something that's like, 
I'm excited that it's happening and I like the game a lot, but I I can't like internalize it as a classic Nintendo series yet. Just in my mind, there's something blocking it. It feels too new, feels too mm. different in some ways with its modern sensibilities. But to her, it's just like another classic Nintendo series. So I I I, I like the way that is. I, I it gives me hope for the future that it's not just going to be. Um, you know, loot boxes and mobile games and Facebook Farmville. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So my number two <laughs> award, my second award, is best character design. And Splatoon actually was a runner-up, um, but the the award will go to the ukulele. Uh, I'm honest. If I can be real with you for a second, I'm just happy to give ukulele an award. I'm just excited that it gets one. <laughs> um, yeah. Because the, I don't think you can talk about ukulele without talking about the uh, the blowback to ukulele. There were mm. there were some not positive people online making their, themselves heard very much about the the reception of ukulele, and uh, I, I've gone on record to say I don't think it deserves that. And one of the ways I think it just nails it is the character design. Um, mm. it, it took a an art style that Rare and Nintendo had made in the 1990s on the Nintendo 64 um, and had been abandoned pretty much since then. And that's mainly because that art style was dependent on the low polyness of the N64. Um, so I, I've seen it come back, but only in like retro revivals, the same way you would see pixel art referencing NES era stuff. Yeah. Um, so it would still be low poly in that regard, but I think the way the ukulele characters are designed, especially Yuka, Lele, the main villain of the game, Capital B, uh, they look exactly like that old style, just modernized in a way that I did not think was possible uh, without resorting to low polygonal uh, models. I, I I just love them. I think they look great. I want them in. Like Smash Brothers, and I want all that stuff to uh, happen for them. I want to see a lot of fan art of ukulele, and I have seen a lot of fan art of ukulele because of their character design. Yeah, and I actually, um, <clears throat> I haven't mentioned this to you until now, but I, I just um, dived into ukulele for the first time uh, when it came out on Switch. Oh, yeah. I, I hadn't played it at all before. I'd read a lot about it. We'd talked about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a couple of things I was struck by. One was definitely the character design. You're 100% right there. And I think one of the things about the character design that stands out to me is a lot of, a lot of developers will pour enormous attention into that main you know, those main couple of characters and then have all, you know, a whole list of forgettable NPCs. But what I loved about ukulele was the random, the different NPCs you encounter in the various worlds are all really well designed. They're all funny in their own right. Like they're all, they all feel like the punchlines to different jokes. And I really appreciated that level of care and attention to detail um, in, in terms of character design. And the only other thing to mention that really stood out to me, I think is again, just how well optimized this game is for switch. Um, considering it didn't come out on switch initially, it looks fantastic. It performs really well. It's great in handheld mode. Um, it's really amazing what a small team was able to do. So I, I'm pretty glad that, that we've got it in our awards in this episode. Yeah. They definitely took enough time with that Switch port, but I'm, I'm super glad that it exists. Um, mm. I, I haven't played the Switch version yet. I, I was planning on the next time that I feel like going back to it, which might be soon. I'm, I'm feeling it a little bit. Uh, I will do so on Switch, but I'm kind of waiting to see if they announce a physical version of it later on or if limited run games or, or something like that does a ukulele box. I would like that a lot. Um, yeah. they, they confirmed, uh, are you familiar with limited run games? 
They, I am, yeah. Yeah, they confirmed they're doing Switch titles, which is interesting. I'm excited oh, about cool. that. Oh, that's cool. But it will yeah. begin sometime in 2018. Speaking cool. of a prediction for the games industry that starts in 2018, <laughs> my next bullet point is predictions for the game in- industry that starts in 2018. Did I say 16? I did say 16. Obviously, I don't care about 2016. That one's two years ago. That year is dead to me. Uh, but predictions for the games industry in 2018. Here's what I'm getting, James. And, and you can... Uh, you seemed a little bit tentative about this category before we started. So let me let me say where I'm at. And, and you can bounce off of it if you want. Um, cool. This was Nintendo's year. And I don't think 2018 will be as much. It'll still be really good for Nintendo. Uh, in general, we're going to see the Switch's library, which right now is a lot of, like, A-plus material, but it's just that. We're going to see that thicken out into a lot of mm. A, A-minus, B-plus stuff to round out the library. Um, and I don't know if it'll be talked about as much near the end of the year at, at Game Awards, but if there are things like Metroid Prime 4 and that Pokemon Switch game... Um, are delayed until 2019, like some are suspecting it might be, I don't think it's going to be their year as much. But they're still probably going to do really great, and their hardware sales are going to do amazing. The Switch is going to pick up a lot of sales. Uh, what, what do you think about that? Disagree? Agree? Uh, look, it's hard to tell. I feel like next year is really pivotal for, for two companies. It's really pivotal for Nintendo because... They want to keep the momentum going from this year. And aside from a couple of games, they they have this tendency now of not announcing new titles until they're nearly finished. Right. And they've, they've had that to a degree, to different degrees over the years, but it seems to be a really big feature of the way they operate now. So, like, I've heard uh, some people sort of talk about 2018 for Nintendo and say, oh, my God, nothing's coming other than, you know, Bayonetta and maybe Metroid. And and I sort of always say to them, you know, just remember, like, look back a year. Oh, look yeah. back where we were at the end of 2016, even. The, like, the year that's dead to me, right? There's There are reasons it's Yeah, dead the year to that's dead to you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I'm just pretending that year didn't happen. Like, uh, Well, for, for Nintendo, that was... Uh... <laughs> That was Star Fox Zero, in notably mm. bad game. Uh, Paper Mario Color Splash. It's got some yep. positives to it, but it's also notably not what people want at all. And um, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, which is the final, or not Final Fantasy, I was going to say, uh, Fire Emblem and Shin Megami Tensei crossover that no one asked for and apparently very few bought. Yeah, and that was like their whole year. Oh no, no, I'm sorry. Pokemon Sun and Moon are important and notable. Um, yeah. With that, that's their whole year. And if you just compare that to this year, it's it's the difference yeah. is crazy. Um, and and do you yeah. do you remember as we got toward the end of the year and people were sort of getting like the gaming media was getting so nervous because we all knew Switch or we didn't know what it was called, but. We all knew that Nintendo's new platform was due to come out in early 2017. And like we were getting later and later in the year and hearing nothing about it. And people were starting to to actually say stuff like, if Nintendo doesn't reveal it next week, they're dead. You know, like it was getting really weird. And then we got these these announcements, you know, in the space of a few months that were kind of one after the other and as we kind of now at the end of 2017 and look back so much happened with Nintendo and a lot of it was um you know a lot of it was stuff that was revealed relatively late um so I suspect that although 2018 you know not going to have a breath of the wild and that sort of thing we think um I think there's a lot coming that we that just hasn't been announced that Nintendo don't want to talk about until we get into the new year. Um, I think that's true, but, but I, I also think that the the main reason a lot of people think that it's unlikely to see anything 
that big come up later is because really what could it be you know we know Mm. it's not going to be another big mario because that just happened we know it's not going to be a big zelda because that just happened splatoon is kind of one of their big ones now we just did that as well uh metroid Mm. and pokemon are two of their other big ones and that seems later than 2018 really Mm. the, the, the only really big things that nintendo does uh, that could be open for 2018. And, I mean, are confirmed to be open for 2018 is... One, there's a Fire Emblem. That's confirmed. And then what's not confirmed mm. is an Animal Crossing and a Smash Brothers. That could yeah. be... Th- both of those could happen, and both of those could be really huge. But both of those are also things that are very iterative, if you catch my drift. Mm. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I, I, I'll think of those games probably, unless they really surprise me as like a new version with new features of an older Mm. thing uh Mm. and um what was really exciting about this year is that zelda wasn't that at all and mario wasn't that at all and mario and rabbit's kingdom battle wasn't that at all um so maybe there's like a new ip they haven't even announced yet that will just take everyone by surprise and that'll win game of the year maybe um i just wouldn't put too many eggs in that basket now Sony though, no. if we're if we're gonna jump uh, jump over to Sony, well just just quickly oh, on yeah, that sure. point, um, I think the big wild card for Nintendo next year is not so much the games, but is their online service. Yes, yeah, uh, which they've delayed slightly. Um, the their online service so far, in terms of online multiplayer specifically. Um, and specifically around voice chat is a pretty poor solution Absolutely. and a pretty poor design. Um, and I, I, there's a part of me that remains hopeful that their delay is around, you know, the feedback they've had and improving the service. It remains to be seen, but I feel like that's a big wild card for them next year. If they knock it out of the park, if they get the, um, you know, the classic games um, subscription service aspect right, that could be really massive for them. But there's a really high chance they'll get it wrong, especially if history is an indicator. So we'll see. Now with... Right, yeah, you're, you're totally right. I If Nintendo puts out a fully featured version of Virtual Console with NES... Super NES, Nintendo 64, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance. I mean, that those six are the bare minimum. Tack onto that maybe GameCube, maybe Sega consoles, maybe, uh, maybe other early 90s third-party consoles like Atari things or Amiga things, something like that, Turbo Graphics. Um, if they do it and they actually do it well, which I just don't trust them to do at this point, maybe that I'm just being a negative Nancy, but I'd love to see it. Hmm. Um, that could that could be significant because as soon as I can put on, um, as soon as I can put on a retro Mario Party, or for me Donkey Kong Country, uh, hmm. for others I'm sure like Mega Man X. Uh, the original Legend of Zelda's on my Switch, it becomes that much more of a must-buy machine. And Nintendo needs that to happen if they're going to hit the sales projections that they have been showing. They're saying that they expect to sell 20 million more units of their of the Switch hardware in 2018, which would be exciting. Mm. I'd, I'd like to see them do it. I'm, I'm pulling for them. We're obviously yeah. Nintendo stands on this podcast. Um, <laughs> but on, on to Sony... They have some very exciting games coming out. They're, they kind of have what N- Nintendo doesn't right now, which is um, a lot of momentum behind a good number of important games exclusive to their systems. I'm thinking The Last of Us Part Two. I don't know if that's confirmed for 2018, but uh, I think it is. Is it? I don't know. Um, I, I think th- I think it's due to come out next year, but I don't think it's got a specific release window from memory. Oh, that sounds like the year after then. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, actually, Naughty Dog isn't 
terrible about that. Um, that could be it. Let's see. Spider-Man. Gears, or not Gears of War. God of War. Um, they've, those are, those are big. Those are big, mm. exciting things. Um, do we think those are going to pan out really big for Sony? Or will those just kind of be, I don't know, be what they are? Um, look, it's given the games that have been either confirmed or that are suspected for next year, plus the position Sony's in, in terms of their, you know, their, their user base and all the rest of it. Um, I, I would, I, I expect Sony to continue to do well next year and, and definitely to continue to be kind of the industry leader next year. Um, my personal area of interest with them at the moment and something I'm curious to see next year is how PlayStation VR is going to continue to evolve. I think my my one message about that is that <clears throat> PlayStation VR is definitely not going away next year. I think it will, it will continue to grow. Um, there have been a lot of people for some reason, I'm not sure why, there have been a lot of people that have been sounding the death knell for PlayStation VR since the beginning. And, you know, even pointing to the pretty ridiculously high sales numbers and saying, oh, you know, that's such a small proportion of PlayStation users that, you know, they're going to kill it off and all the rest of it. I don't see that happening. I think it's going to get bigger. Um, I think Sony might even be looking at another hardware iteration next year, potentially. Um, uh, I just think there's a lot of potential there and I'll be really interested to see what happens because developers are definitely learning very, very quickly and VR experiences, even over this last year, have been getting better and better. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what happens there because no one else at the moment, who knows what Microsoft's going to do with this, but no one else at the moment is really pushing VR hard in the, the living room console space. And I really give a lot of credit to Sony for being very, very bold and really like putting their money where their mouth is on that. I don't expect Microsoft to jump in. Um, Phil Spencer, the head of Microsoft, his MO has been pretty much whatever the opposite of the Kinect era MO of Microsoft has been. Very much just focused on making that one machine that really does everything you need for gaming with no frills. Mm. Um, maybe some of the reason that people are seeing the... PSVR as a diminishing concept for Sony is that that's kind of how the Vita felt. Um, it, it the Vita is still active, and believe it or not, it's still receiving games. People are making games for Vita. Uh, it has not shown up in uh, at PSX. It did not show up mm. at Sony's E3 show. Uh, it's just not supported right now at Sony. And that seems to be the thing that they do to projects that aren't immediately successful for them. And that kind of seems like what PSVR might be. In, in, in my opinion, the only oh. reason they've kept it around as long as they have is because they understand that VR in general is going to be a much slower thing for people to pick up. So maybe they have projection projections of uh exponential growth in the future and i'd love to see that i'd love to see readily accessible vr in any form uh psvr or otherwise crop up in a much bigger way next year because i think we haven't had we, we we have not had the mario 64 of vr yet i want to see the title that really makes sense of vr in that big epic way that people are going to be talking about for years. I just don't think we've seen it yet. No, we, we haven't. But I also think, um, I, I think it's pretty clear that Sony uh, aren't, at least not in the short term, I don't think they're going to abandon PlayStation VR. It's, it's been more successful than they expected. It's beat their sales projections. Um, and 
at the moment, I mean, again, depending what Microsoft does, and Microsoft have said there is they have an interest in VR on console, although they're keeping very mum about what exactly that means. I'm, I've always been under the assumption that they might at some point unveil a... Um, you know, a, a cheaper console-specific version of Oculus Rift or something like that. Um, but I, I think um, it's interesting for Sony because they don't really have a competitor in this space. I mean, there's no, you know, yes, there's there's Vive and Oculus, but, you know, you, you really need a much more expensive setup to get those running. Yeah. And, you know, they, they don't have that plug-and-play element that PlayStation VR has, so... It'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, you know, I, I would be surprised if they abandon it because it seems like a very strategic play on their part. It does. It does. Um, At least for now. Yeah. Mm. So um, we did Nintendo. We did Sony. In Microsoft, I think Sea of Thieves is going to come out and it's going to be pretty good. And that's it for projection predictions for 2018. <laughs> Case closed. Case closed on <laughs> Microsoft. <laughs> James, why don't you uh, get us rounded up with our with your third and final award for 2017? Sure. Um, oh, okay. I, I'm going to end this one on a on a slightly more serious note. So, but actually, if you want to do award... that, I can do mine first. If you want to, like, have the final word, or either way, up to you. Um, if you want that dramatic maybe you, tension. maybe you go first because mine has a mine has a bit of a, a, a uh, I wouldn't call it sad but a bit of a serious anecdote so get excited for that people <laughs> get excited for that <laughs> yeah I'll go first um, yeah <laughs> my my award my third and final award for 2017 is for best house and the best house in a video game goes to what remains of edith finch i i have a similarly i don't know personal bit of Mm. thing for for this uh i moved out of my childhood home this year and Mm. um about a month before i did that as i was trying to get packed and everything i played what remains of edith finch which is about someone returning to their childhood home and finding all these memories of of themselves and their family from when they were younger uh, and it hit me pretty hard. <laughs> it hit me like like a ton of bricks, James. Um, not just that, but the house in general is, is extraordinarily well-designed. Um, not to give too much away, because I think you should go into this game with as clean of a palette as possible, but um, there, there are a lot of rooms in this house. It's a very, very much like a... Um, like a Ron Weasley house from Harry Potter. Um, just just tons of rooms and weird passageways and it, it's all scraggly wonky on the outside and um, it, it's pro it's probably my favorite place that I've been in a video game in a very long time mm. um, yeah so that's it goes to, to best house and I don't really want to dwell on that but what remains of Edith Finch my god uh, my number my, my yeah my number two game of the year um and my number one recommendation of the year, because yeah. my n- number one game of the year is about to be recommended by James Burns. James, why don't you go ahead and take <laughs> us away on our final award of 2017? Well, my final award goes to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um, I can just hear, I can hear my friend Michael sighing in the distance, but <laughs> but it, it couldn't have gone anywhere else. Um, and the award is for greatest emotional highs and it actually it kind of fits in well with your your best house award actually um that was quite a personal reflection um so this award there's a personal side and there's like a a by proxy element to this the proxy element to this is that um i had someone very close to me this year who um who experienced a fairly serious bout of um, depression and anxiety um, to the point where he he had to leave his job and he, he didn't have a job to go to, which was even more stressful, as you can imagine. 
And uh, what's um, interesting about this and what's different about this is, um, is that he is not a gamer. So, you know, really not, not really interested in games at all. Um, you know, not really experienced with playing modern games at all. Um, but he saw me playing Breath of the Wild and uh, he asked if he could play it. And he spent some time while he was off work playing Breath of the Wild. And I think it's fair to say that in in concert with... Um, there was some medical intervention as well and, you know, other things that, that helped him along the way to get better. But he, and this isn't just me saying this, he credits Breath of the Wild to a degree with helping him recover. And now at the end of the year, he's he's almost made a full recovery, which is amazing. Um... And his, his memory of that game is so strong and so positive that uh, just the other day I, I, was play, I, I switched it on to play the DLC and um, you could see the look on his face, you know, when he heard the music and the, the sound effects in the game. He was, and he actually said something about, I've missed that sound. He hadn't played it in, in a couple of months. Um, Oh, so that's I, yeah, it, it's really amazing. And, uh, he started talking about the experiences he'd had in the game. He'd, he might play it for an hour or two each day. And it, it's just was really interesting to me because he wasn't really talking so much about beating bosses or killing enemies or anything. He was talking about, things he'd seen, places he'd uncovered, um, you know, meals he'd cooked in the game. And he was reflecting on it as if he'd really been to that place and, and really done those things. And he was playing this game a little bit each day as, as it became like a deliberate therapy for his mind. And um, I said to him at one point, because I think he could never really understand my, my obsession with video games. And I said, I think now you understand where I'm coming from. I think now, especially with Nintendo, you understand that magic. And it's not something I could just talk to you about or show you. You had to experience it. Um, so I, that, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I had to... I, I had to award the game for that reason. And uh, he's actually, uh, I don't want to make any promises, but um, I asked him if, if he was comfortable, if he wouldn't mind writing about his experience. Um, and, and he's working on something. It, it might, we might publish it or we might not. But um, I, I've read the draft so far and it, it's a beautiful, beautiful read. And um, yeah, I, I think it's, this for me is game of the year for you know for many reasons and this is one of them yeah me too it's um as, as super jump as an organization we are not necessarily doing game of the year again we've done that in the form of our article that um is is currently on super jump i believe on the front page um in in which we've put i think 10 we've picked 10 different games we've highlighted this is the only game that all three of us have highlighted all three editors working on that piece um so i think in that in that way you could probably just say that it's our game of the year we won't get mad at you if you do that uh <laughs> it's it's an amazing world it's one of those times where you can look at a game and, and, and even a week or so after it came out, I was just sure this is going to be the best. This is going to be remembered as one of the best games of, of all time. Really mm. just an all time game right there. Um, so let's wrap it up. James, 
we have one more category of things to talk about. Predictions for us in 2018. What do you want to see yourself doing uh, this year at this... Sorry, next year at this time. Uh, well, aside from having conquered the, the video game media world... Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, Super that's a pretty big goal. IGN. I'll be a little disappointed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. We'll be putting in a bid at this time next year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Our merge with Steam has gone pretty well. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I had to get a bigger wallet. Um, yeah, look, I think... I guess it might sound it might sound too much like a, a throwaway comment, but I really mean it. I just want to be... I just want to continue doing what I'm doing and and doing what we're doing, doing this show, um, you know, writing for the magazine. Um, I think just kind of in the spirit of being thankful at the end of the year, I think just being able to do this, um, having the luxury of being able to do this and enjoy it so much is... um, is something I, I want to continue doing. And, you know, if, if, um, if more people find out about us and, and enjoy what we're doing and come on the journey with us, then all the better. That That's fantastic. Um, I personally need a job, so I'm not going to be like that. I, I would like to change a little <laughs> bit. Uh, James, you can have your own, your whole, it's great right now situation. I need a job though, so I'll get th- one of those uh, pretty soon, and <laughs> or not. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> so if there are any recruiters listening, right? If there's any recruiters please, and you need just yeah. kind of a loud American, I, I'll I'll be around. <laughs> um, meanwhile, though, I would like to see myself get. Um, I would like to grow the community involvement of Super Jump, um, at least the podcast, or at least the area that I have control over. Um, I think we have a chance to do something pretty big with community involvement. Um, we we can do write-ins. We can do... Um, I, I'd actually love to, if we get to the point where it would make sense to do this, I would love to set up a phone line where we can get people to call into the show and we can play your calls during the recording. Um I, I've uh, I've co-hosted some podcasts that have done that in the past, and it always seemed super fun. And uh, that's something I'd like to do. That's a very tangible thing, but a more general thing is just get more of a back and forth between our listeners and ourselves. I, I want to find out what people are interested in. Should there be music running in the background of every show, like right now? Or should we just keep it the way we do with our theme song at the beginning and end? I don't know the answers to these questions, and if someone has suggestions, if someone has just thoughts, if they want to bounce ideas off of us, they can do so at podcast at superjump.online. That's podcast at superjump.online. I'm going to actually have to figure out how to get that email address routed to my new phone, because that's been frustrating to figure all that stuff out. But I'll figure it out soon, and once I do, I will read whatever you send to podcast at superjump.online. <laughs> um, just some announcements before we go on to our after-school activities. This is, of course, the season finale of the first season of the Super Jump podcast, otherwise known as the 2017 season. The 2018 season, our second season, will begin in two weeks or maybe a little bit over two weeks because i actually want to put this episode out on december the 31st um in order to just have it before the year ends if anyone wants to listen to it as they're counting down um the the new year if you start the episode exactly 59 minutes and 38 seconds before now uh it'll count down to the new year as soon as I say, ah, ah, there you go. And the ball dropped and it's 2018. Uh, so you can do that. That's probably more work than, it sounded, your, than it's worth. It sounded like the ball dropped on you. Ah, 2018. Whoa. Whoa. Getting a little jumpy, 2018. 
and of course, we are still on our mid-jump hiatus. Uh, our mid-jumps will come back in full force in our uh, in an effort to make our show weekly, or at least our podcast feed. The show will still be every two weeks, but you'll get something every week. Um, the week after our first episode of season two. So get excited for that. It'll um, it'll have some changes. It'll have a bit more structure to it than normal. Maybe some more. No, I don't want to say anything specific because I could be wrong. Uh, just it'll just be vaguely different. Now we end every episode with an after-school activity. After-school activities are something that James and I each figure out uh, what we want to recommend to someone to do in between episodes, and this one's going to be pretty important actually because this is what your our your first after school activity potentially the first thing you do at all in 2018 james what is your after school activity recommendation so i'm going to recommend a slightly weirdly named youtube channel called metal jesus rocks love him and uh <laughs> and, love rocks. and and no it's love metal not a christian rock band not a christian rock band um no, it, it's basically, uh, it, it's a guy who I was saying to, to you uh, before we started the show that he he reminds me a little bit of myself. Um, he's kind of a tragic game collector or game collector tragic. <laughs> and his channel is like my ultimate YouTube comfort food. So... Um, if I have nothing else to watch, but I want to watch something, you know, I'll go and watch one of his old videos. Um, he talks about lots of different games. He'll have a particular theme or topic for each video. And he has a a group of friends that he often has on his show. So you kind of get to know them as well. And some of them have, you know, gone and created their own channels. Um, it's just, it's just uh, comfortable. It's it's like putting on an old comfortable pair of shoes. <laughs> I, so yeah, I have a few YouTube channels like that. It, it's really nice to have something to lean back on. Yeah, yeah, and I think also one one final point about him that I like is he he never gets he never gets really like ultra political about a game. He never really gets salty. He's just very easygoing and relaxed, and he really just talks about the stuff that he finds interesting or special or fun, and and I really like that. It's exactly what I expect from someone named Metal Jesus Rocks. <laughs> Turn the other cheek. <laughs> so uh, for my after-school activity recommendation, I would like to recommend that you... Play Uncomfortable. This is a bit of an abstract thing. Uncomfortable is not the name of a game or anything like that. <laughs> I just want you to pick something that you've been thinking about playing for a long time. If you're a big Pokemon fan but and you want to play all the Pokemon games, but you've never played Pokemon Coliseum because that one's kind of weird, um, and you keep putting it off, don't put it off anymore. It's 2018. We ain't got time for that shit. So you got to get Pokemon Coliseum or whatever your Pokemon Coliseum is. That's not mine. I should think of one for me right now. Um, Twilight Princess. I've played through very many Zelda games. I think almost all of them except Twilight Princess. And uh, I just keep putting it off. I don't know. I'm just not very excited about it. But you know what? It, it's time. I'm going to play Uncomfortable Twilight Princess. And maybe by the first hour or so I get into the game, it will be less uncomfortable. But who knows? Um, and th- that is the way we will greet 2018 on the Super Jump podcast. By looking straight at it and understanding that it's probably something that, on the whole, we don't really want to do that much. But could perhaps be edifying in some way. Or strengthening if we get through it and play a bit more uncomfortable. So until next time, please subscribe on iTunes or your iTunes-like service, whatever you do. Um, Review us on iTunes. That helps so much. Um, I recently got an Android phone, so I stopped using uh, the podcast app on 
that Apple provides for for listening to podcasts. And I've and I've looked at other um, podcast apps, and to my to my surprise, their reviews sections aren't even their own review sections. They're just siphoning the reviews people have written on iTunes for things, which is amazing to me. So basically, if you write a review for iTunes, you'll write a review for tons of different podcast apps all at once without having to do any extra work. Um, and if you do that, you can give us feedback, that kind of feedback that I want from you guys. Uh, if, if I talk too much, if James talks way too much, uh, yeah, you can just write that in the review section and, and we'll do it. And I'll tell James to stop talking. Um, and if you could, please tell a friend. We That is our main form of advertisement. If you uh, just tell uh, one, of, one of your good friends who also listens to podcasts, hey, there's this gaming podcast that uh, it's just two chill dudes talking about Breath of the Wild most of the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll jump at you later. Stay super.